This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. It only took a year. This song is really growing on me. It's like a fungus. I, I really like this song. I'll play you the unedited version sometime. Okay. Well, uh, we'll do that. I, I would enjoy listening. What I like the unedited version better. Uh, it's it's same great hook. Okay. Great music. So, well, I talked about uh, going to see Matt Rule. A lot of people did. There were like 700 people there at the Chamber of Commerce Commerce luncheon at the Embassy Suites earlier this week. He's such a good speaker. Does uh, the PowerPoint presentation, no notes, and he just hums through it. And even when a mistake goes wrong with a slide or something, he just fills naturally. He's just, he's just such a great speaker. But he talked a lot about, and it felt like a, maybe a shot at Deion Sanders. <laughs> uh, building on a rock, he showed a picture of a, a house with rocks around it. And, you know, the making of the Empire State Building and how you have to go down and build a foundation to go up. Um and building on a rock instead of building on sand. And it felt like, the, you know, he's mentioned that some programs are building on sand with the, the quick fix of the transfer portal. And we know that Dion has shoved 71 some guy, 71 guys out of the program since he arrived. Uh, it's been crazy. And he's bringing his own guys in. And a lot of guys like to do that. Matt Rule has not done that. I mean, he had to trim the roster for sure because Nebraska was over 100 to try to get down to 85. And I think they've achieved that. Um, but I think he's also given everybody a fair chance to make the team. And we remember the comments going into spring and coming out of spring, how he likes the offensive line. And that caught a lot of attention for Husker fans thinking, man, they're terrible. What are you talking about? Why wouldn't you go to the portal and try to fix the offensive line? These guys are bad. Uh, statistically, they were the worst power five offensive line last year. They, You could make the argument they were bad, but, I don't think he's just saying it. He really believes these guys could be good, and I think they did make progress. But it's also a way of fixing the program with the guys you have. Like, I'm going to get this done with the guys here and not go outside the program to the portal. He will go to the portal, but not extensively to say that's how you fix it because I think he realizes when you do that, sometimes you can destroy a locker room. Well, exactly, and and the the – the two philosophies, the easy button uh, and the, the project right. that's going to take you some time. And you may put a drill bit through your hand. Um, <laughs> Which you did over the weekend. <laughs> but the, I get it. You're gonna, you, you can go get five five stars out of the portal yeah. that, that underachieved or got caught in a numbers game or their position coach that recruited them left, whatever it is. And they can come in and they can be the flash in the pan. And they can help you out. But what happens when you bring that five-star guy in and the three- or four-star that's worked his butt off to get to the point where he's you know, going to get playing time is still relegated to third team because you keep bringing somebody in in front of him. How long mm-hmm. does he stay? And if all you're ever going to do, and I always wondered how Bill Snyder did it at K-State because yeah. half of his recruiting class every year was junior college players. But they were there for two years for the most part, sometimes three. And, and that's a lot different than bringing in, you know, one-year mercenaries. And that, not all the portal guys are going to be one year. But I just, 
I, I can see how it's going to work in certain situations, but to build a build a championship program, I don't think there's an easy button. I think no. you're you're building a sandcastle, and the tide's going to come in at some time. And it feels like Nebraska for the last you know, maybe the Bo Pelini era is an exception to that, but they've tried to hit the easy button a lot of times. And uh, I think I saw a stat that Scott Frost brought in something 67. like six, 67 four-star players, and 4% of them made it to the NFL. That's not a, development. Yeah, a total of three of them did, and it wasn't just the Frost era. It was over the course of the last nine or ten years. Okay. So it, it, it spanned, actually, three coaching staffs. It included, like, the last year of Pelini, all O'Reilly, and That's stunning. Scott Frost. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, it literally is – it's almost as unbelievable – like it's a stat. Like you would almost that have to hear. try to do that. Yeah. Try to fail. It's it's a stat and they you would hear and go, "You're making that up." Just like Nebraska lost nine games in 2021, and oh by the way, every one of them was by single digits. You're like, yeah, no, that's not even possible. Right. And eight of them were one score games, and they went zero and eight. And you're like, no, that's not. No, it's not possible. And it's not like Matt Rule is skipping over four and five stars. He's still going to recruit four and five stars. Last time I checked, uh, the, remember the, the five stars I was talking about? Eric Gilbert? Yeah. MJ Sherman? Five stars. Five star guys. Uh, but he also wants to find guys that maybe have great athletic talent and maybe have never played football at a high level. Maybe it's just their senior year. But they have to run a 10-200. I want that guy. I could teach him to play football. He could run. Eric Fields comes to mind. Yeah, uh, I think they've they've got several guys uh, that are going to be on their roster that can really run. I mean, they're going to get track guys. They're going to develop guys. Um, there's a real big focus on, you know, the, the grass fields, for example. I think the health of the player is going to be something that Matt Rule really focuses on. I mean, he talks about recovery at nauseum. I mean, it's not it doesn't bore me, but I'm, he talks about it a lot, this new – million facility is going to be mostly about, as far as football is concerned, player recovery. Well, and he mentioned, as did, uh, uh, not Corey Collier, that's the player, um, Corey Campbell, Campbell. the strength coach, mentioned that he was hired in time to have some of the blueprints adjusted to to give them better recovery facilities for the players. Yeah. Uh, in that the brand new complex, so they were able to make some changes to the final plans to help them help the players recover from practice, recover from games, and you know, bottom line is the toll that it takes on the body and then mentally as well. I'm sure yeah. they've got a great setup to, to um, for rec- recovery from a mental standpoint, but it's 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 crazy how much emphasis Coach Rule and that entire staff puts on recovery. Yeah. You, the spring game. The Unity Walk. Every single player had a gallon of water. Yeah, they make them carry around these big jugs of water everywhere yeah. they go. You got to drink a gallon of water every day. That's hard. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I my goal is a hundred ounces, and mine's I, ninety. And I usually do it, but on the weekends I don't. Uh, but just you know, five days a week to try to do it. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned I saw him at the Chamber of Commerce luncheon. Did it with no notes. He talked about why he chose Nebraska. And I guess I didn't know this. I thought he chose Nebraska mostly just because of Trev Alberts. But uh, T- Ted Carter introduced him, the president. And he kept talk- kept calling him the admiral. Um, and he mentioned that there were several people 
in the world of college football that called him and one Hall of Fame coach from the NFL, Bill Belichick, said, the Admiral has asked you to come to Nebraska. You go to Nebraska. If the Admiral tells you to go to Nebraska, you go to Nebraska. Uh, Ted Carter is an impressive dude uh, with an extensive military background, but he also knows football at a very high level, was at Navy the same time that Matt Rule was at Temple. Yep. And so they got to know each other. Um, and both really good football minds, but one of the big reasons he came to Nebraska was the Admiral, Ted Carter. Well, and I, I love Ted Carter's story. He goes, I'm at Navy, I'm on the sideline, I'm watching pregame warm-ups, and the Temple guys are going through warm-ups, tackling each other and hitting like it's a live game. And I immediately went, we're in trouble. And he said they lost a couple of players yes. in the game. Yes. And they actually that, that, they were hitting that loss, in the pregame. And he said that loss actually cost them their next game against Army. Yeah, just simply because of the physicality. And how it. many times did you hear that in the Tom Osborne era? Oh, we yeah. we lost the next three games because of playing Nebraska. Yeah, we were so beat up physically. Yeah, um, and that was one of the interesting things that Matt Rule said during the luncheon to me is that. Winning's different everywhere. It's different. Than, it's going to be different from when I was at Temple, different from when I was at Baylor. And he studied the history of Nebraska football and why Tom Osborne won. Um, I, he's not going to go to the triple option necessarily, but there are elements that they can take. Hey, Tom Osborne's told him several times, it's really windy here. It's hard to throw 50 passes a game in a 50-mile-an-hour wind. And you could... It sounds crazy, but you get that. I mean, anybody who's played golf in Nebraska knows it's really, really windy all the time. So you run the ball, and you develop players. You maybe recruit a fullback. They just got one from Notre Dame. Yep. I mean, um, they're going to have to think outside the box. You're going to see you know, three tight ends sometimes. You're going to see uh, schemes to just try to get matchups. All coaches try to do that. Uh, but they're going to do it in a way – that they feel like is sustainable. And I think that identity, and we had this conversation earlier, it fits the Big Ten West, and what Wisconsin's doing right now doesn't fit Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez has to be looking at what's going on at Wisconsin right now and thinking, my God, it's really good that I – I know that they brought in Luke Fickle, who's had a lot of success. Just watching their spring game, I'm not sure they're going to have a lot of success. It's tag, It's touch football. So maybe they'll maybe they'll be great. Maybe they'll be great. Barry Alvarez plays for Bob Devaney, learns under him, goes yeah. to Wisconsin, takes everything good about Nebraska and, and moves it to Madison. It, has tons of success. Doesn't win any national titles, but still tons of Rose Bowls, tons of success. They continue it on with the every coach they hire, whether it was Paul no. Crist, whether it was um, the latest. What's, yeah. uh, the, yeah, 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 he went yeah, to Arkansas yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, Bielema. Yeah, Brett Bielema. Um, but they, they do this. It's the same blueprint. It works over and over and over again. And just like Nebraska, all of a sudden they go, you know what I think we need? We need to get away from physical football, and we need to go get a great offensive mind that had some success in a lower-level yeah. conference in the AAC, just like Nebraska did, and we're going to bring in right. – this high-flying offense. Did, were they not paying attention to what happened in Nebraska for the last five years, four I, years? I get it. Some of, some of it was the staff, courtesy of JoJo Doman's comments earlier that we replayed, on, that were on Old School on Wednesday. 
there, there was some issues with the staff that, you know, the continuity and genuineness, et cetera, authenticity. And I get all that, but that offense didn't work very well in the Big Ten. You know why? Because there's a lot of very smart coaches in the Big Ten, and most of the coaches have a team that's simply going to punch you in the face right. over and over again. How do you respond? Well, if you're a team that doesn't play physical football, you're not going to respond well. Um, I, I always thought the problem with, uh, with Wisconsin was not their offense uh, over the last several years. They were really good with that same offense and a dynamic quarterback, Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. Stay with that same offense, power football, and then just get a better quarterback because they've never tried to get a quarterback, it feels like, since Russell Wilson. And Graham Mertz wasn't the – they've had several four-stars who could sling it, but none of them – they were all statues. None of them had any sort of mobility. Yeah. Um, go back, get a Russell Wilson, and run that offense. I guarantee you, you'll have success. Well, let me ask you this. If you put Adrian Martinez as the starting quarterback at Wisconsin for four years, how much success does he have? I don't know. Because um, I get it. He always would make a play that would cost you the game. And that, that was the problem with Adrian. I, I, and I defended on this station over and over and over, Adrian F- uh, Martinez. I, I, I thought that it wasn't always his fault, and it wasn't. Uh, sometimes it was coaching that put him in bad situations. Right. And DP has told me this a million times. DP, of course, a longtime coach who's been around coaching forever. Players do what they're allowed to do. I mean, they have coaches. Yep. And they get away with it because they're allowed to get away with it. So I, I thought, same with Adrian Martinez, who I thought got thrown under the bus many times, or Tommy Armstrong, who got thrown under the bus by Nebraska football fans. It's not always the player. Sometimes it is the coaching. So, and by the way, he did perform pretty well at Kansas State when he went there. Yeah. So you've already answered that question a little bit. He went to a, he went I, to I a different to culture, and they won the Big 12. Well, I'm just talking with an offensive line like Wisconsin had and his running ability. And most days he was relatively accurate. He str- and the funny thing was is Adrian Martinez struggled with some of the simplest yeah. throws. He the, did. The, the, which and always were, was the most puzzling to me. But. My buddy David Fiala, good friend. Uh, by the way, related to Adrian Fiala, they're cousins, a uh, long time. But he would he'd say, I really like Adrian, but he always does something in every game that guarantees that you won't win. And it felt like that. And, and I remember that Illinois game three or four years ago where Nebraska had all the momentum. They were going to the locker room. They're going to be up, and he throws a pick six. And it's just almost inexplicable how that stuff keeps happening. But that's on the coaches more than it is the player. If, if the player keeps doing it and you keep putting him in the game, that's on you. Well, and I always love the people that argue, well, his backup's not very good. So my question then is, Who's responsible for getting a good backup? Right. The coach. <laughs> well, and this was the year that I thought we would have a good backup in Casey Thompson. And it looks like they're going to have to develop a quarterback just to be a good backup. Or, do yeah, you think I they mean, go to the portal on that one? Uh, I, I do you think they should I, go I, to the portal? I don't think they go to the portal. And I, I'm wondering if Logan Smothers comes back. And if Logan Smothers comes back, how they utilize him. I don't know if it would necessarily be right. a quarterback-only role. Well, you've only got three. I, I get it. Uh, and I, 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 I can well, see with, them They'll needing, have walk-on quarterbacks, but who, you know. Yeah, I can see them needing another quarterback. Uh, but like I said, whether it's Logan Smothers coming back or – I do. And if you go to the portal, though, what are you going to go get? 
because anybody that's still in the portal right now that's quarterback, they're going to want to come flaws. in and play. Well, they're going to want to come in and play. Right. And you're not going to come in and play unless you're Casey Thompson and, and compete against Jeff Sims. I mean, you need that caliber of a quarterback. Is there yeah. anybody out in the portal that you could get? Or do you go get a guy that w- that is a freshman yeah. that after his freshman season has left who's a guy that you could consider a 22 recruit yeah. that is just simply going to be a sophomore coming into your program? Let me ask you this. If it's not a portal guy, who is the second-team quarterback right now? Uh, based on everything that I heard, uh, including some follow-up to spring ball, I think opening game right now, Chubba Purdy would be the backup. I think it's Heinrich Harper. I, I think it, it's Harper. It, it was, and the, the, the gist that Something I got— Something happened at the end of spring? Yeah. The la- they said the last handful of practices, Chubba Purdy started getting the offense and understanding it better, and things slowed down yeah. for him, and he made a big move. This might be the era of college football where you just, you're never going to have a backup. that Because of NIL— if you have a great starting quarterback, you're going to have a developmental quarterback behind that starting quarterback because anybody that can be a starter and doesn't think of themselves or doesn't see themselves winning the starting job is just going to go somewhere yeah. and get the cash. And I, it surprises me that Casey ends up at Florida Atlantic because you're not getting the cash there. No. But you are getting stats and you're getting Tom Herman. Well, uh, and, and he wants to play in the NFL, and does this give him a shot? I don't know. I don't know that Casey Thompson's an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's accurate enough. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that anybody— He's more accurate statistically than Jeff Sims. Oh, I agree, but I'm, I, a lot of that, especially here last year, was Trey Palmer. I mean, yeah. it, it, a lot of people, they say that, he, that, you know, he throws the deep ball well. Well, when you got a guy like Trey Palmer that can run underneath anything you throw— right. you yeah, can't, you you can't can, out-throw him. Yeah, you can throw the deep ball well. Uh, um, so Nebraska, you know, Xavier I think Betts. Tampa, by the way, Tampa got a steal in Trey Palmer. Oh yeah. I mean, he ran the fastest combine 40 times. Yep. The guy's very, and he was mad that he ran. Well, I think uh, he ran a 10, three, one, and he wanted a 10, two, nine or something. <laughs> well, the 40 time was or 40, four, sorry, four, four, three, he, he had four, like a four, yeah, four yeah. three, something. And he wanted a four, two, nine. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really, really fast. And I think Nebraska will miss him. And that's probably one of the reasons they're going to, a, I think more of a tight end, uh, type of formation or more tight end formations uh, within the scheme of the rule offense. Let's get to break. Uh, we got to talk to Jim White. We'll talk a little golf. Heck yeah. The PGA Championship next weekend. I haven't talked to Jim for a long, long time. Um, and so I want to catch up and see what he's up to. He's a Hall of Famer as far as golf is concerned. The PGA Tour Pro, former T- PGA Tour Pro, and now with uh, the Fairways of Lincoln. He's the pro there and does uh, a lot of other stuff that we'll talk about coming up next.